Welcome to the Locked On Steelers Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Today, it's Monday, May 18th. Over the weekend, James Harrison brought some clarity to his, to his comments about Mike Tomlin handing him an envelope. I'm going to dig into all that, all the responses, how it should be, be perceived, and get into all that with our opening segment. Then, it's time to address this huge NFL proposal brought up some serious questions about minority hiring of head coach and general manager positions in the NFL. We'll get to talking about what the actual proposal is, does it make sense, and the overall conversation itself. All that and more, let's get into it. All right, y'all know what time it is. It's Monday. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here on Locked On Steelers. Let's get into the top topic of the day. Hope you guys had a uh, good weekend. You had some. Uh, so if you're in Pittsburgh, you enjoyed some very nice weather. There was no storms as predicted. As uh, you know, they predicted there would be storms. It was nice and sunny, and it was hot for the first time in a while. You know, you can't go nowhere. I enjoyed. You know, it's it's crazy how with everything has been. I actually enjoyed cutting my grass. That was uh, that was weird. But I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, outside. Uh, I, that's 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 where we're at, I guess. Anyways, um, let's get into the Steelers talk. And you recall last Friday we had the Harrison controversy where he went on Willie Colon's podcast for Barstool Sports and brought up that Mike Tomlin handed him an envelope 10 years ago in a Brown, after a Browns game where he was fined $75,000 for a hit on Muhammad Masakwai. Now, um, since then... Over the past couple of days, uh, you know, the, we, you know, if you were on, if you listened to the show, and if you watched ESPN, you saw all sorts of people speculate. Whoa, was this Bounty Gate? Whoa, was this was this a problem? Were the Steelers doing this? Was Mike Tomlin doing what Greg Williams and Sean Payton and the Saints were doing? Oh my gosh! And then Sean Payton was making comments about how he felt that this wasn't going to go anywhere, but how he, you know, he feels like he they were still singled out. Um, so this this sparked a whole bunch of national conversation on this, and this is why I wanted to bring it up last Friday on this very podcast. If you didn't get a chance to to hear it and uh, go over the initial points, I did it with uh, Hunter Homestack of DKPittsburghSports.com and Wesley Euler of Steeler Nation Radio. It was a I thought it was a very good discussion. Go back and listen to our Friday podcast for that one. So, but what's happened now is that James Harrison has been hearing everything that everyone's saying. And uh, he made it a very long, I don't want to say very long, but a decently sized Instagram post, uh, basically counteracting that. Here's the quote. Uh, wow, y'all really comparing what I said to Bounty Gate. Mike Tomlin has never paid for me hurt, hurt for me hurting someone or trying to hurt someone or put a bounty on anybody. If you knew the full story of what happened back then, you'd know that BS fine for a legal play wasn't even penalized during the game. And to be true, it wasn't penalized during the game. The league was getting pressure because the, the first concussion lawsuits were starting, and they had to look like they cared about player safety all of a sudden. Before that, they had been selling, and you put selling in capital letters, a photo that for that same play for $55 on the NFL website with other videos of the NFL's greatest hits that the league profited on back then. When the league had to start pretending like they cared about player safety, they took all those things down off their website and they and they started fining guys ridiculous amounts for the same plays they used to profit off of. Everybody knew it. Even those same media people and all the fans that were sending money to me 
and and the and the team to cover the fine. Again, at no time did Mike Tomlin ever suggest anybody hurt anybody, or that they'd be rewarded for anything like that. Um, the rest of that has some uh, not so nice language that I won't share on the show. Um, but go to James Harrison's Instagram, J Harrison ninety two, to read read the whole thing. But I mean, it's interesting that James Harrison comes back on this and says, "Okay, let me clarify. I, that's not ever again." But like 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 Wes and Hunter and I were saying. Come on, man. You had to know this would be the reaction. I mean, just in today's media, you leave something that open-ended, of course they're going to walk it to something crazy. And I just, I feel like James Harrison, he's been part of the media long enough. Um, and he, he's been in media. Like, he's been talked to even when he was a player. You know, there were there were interviews of him going on. He has to know that his comments can be taken a lot of, and you got to be specific with that. So I, I still have a problem with the idea that he just never saw this coming. Um, you know, it's, you know, there's, is it's been well known that he kind of had an ax to grind. There was no, no, there was no kind of, he actually had an ax to grind with the Steelers with the way he left. Um, and that this, uh, this just, this came off like a, like a, like a hit attempt on the Steelers. Now this post kind of clarifies that there's no hit attempt there. Um, and he's kind of, he's kind of making it seem like, Hey, like, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for that guy. And he never did that sort of thing. And for you to think that it was, you're being crazy. Um, but there's a few things in this statement that I think are very true, and it's not you know, it's to spare us from a throwback Thursday. But back then, they the Steelers were being targeted. I mean, they they were, the, those plays were perfectly legal. We saw a lot more of those. There weren't you know there were all sorts of hits across the NFL that weren't penalized and, and weren't fined. Then there were ghost penalties where the Steelers would make perfectly fine shoulder to shoulder hits and still get fined or penalized anyways. Um, and. and it became a, a theme, and to the point where James Harrison was so tired of it uh, in the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl media days before the the, the game against the Packers. Uh, you know, James Harrison joked that he, when he tackled Aaron Rodgers, he was going to plan to put a pillow down and lay him nice and softly on the pillow and tell him good night so that he wouldn't get fined. And then in a, in, a, in a magazine interview, I believe it was Playboy, I can't remember the magazine exactly, but there was a magazine interview where he said he wouldn't piss on Roger Goodell if he was on fire. That was like the level of animosity the Steelers players had towards the NFL for that situation. And he's right, because also, don't forget, around that time, you get, if you ever watched Monday Night Countdown on ESPN to get ready for Monday Night Football, the best segment that everyone tuned in for was called You Got Jacked Up, where they would go over the biggest hits over the over the weekend and say, you got jacked up. And it, it was cool. It was tight. Everyone was like, man, that was a big hit. And then eventually the NFL was like, hey, cut, cut, cut that out. Cut that, cut that out. Stop, stop, stop. Because James Harrison's right. They were going for concussions. Well, there were suits coming for concussions, and the NFL needed to protect itself. Um, so, to you know, their, their lawyers got to work. They did those things. So, absolutely, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff behind this. Um, the uh, And maybe the envelope was just a note that Mike Tomlin, it was just a note from Mike Tomlin saying, hey, man, like, you know, you, you, that ain't your fault. Keep doing what you're doing. But it, but I think at that point it would have been fine for James Harrison to just say, "Hey, he handed me a note," or, or you know, say what was in the envelope if it wasn't just cash money. That would have saved everything. And the fact that he still hasn't said what it what it is is kind of weird. But um, to cap how this situation has played out, I think we could note three things. One, James Harrison needed to watch his words a little bit more. Two, we still know that if there's a window of opportunity to attack the Steelers, the media will take it. And three, 
it again highlights a period of time where if you were a Steelers fan, you just remember thinking like, man, it seems like this is just going to happen all the time. And like, just like every time you threw a big hit, I mean, there were some hits that were perfectly legal and fine. And the Steelers were like, no, they're like, no, the Steelers you can't do that. Here's a penalty. Um, and, and it really changed how the game was played. They, they took a lot of things out that they were very good at. I mean, Ryan Clark's position of the, of the, of the big hitter free safety that backs up the super X factor strong safety of Troy Polamalu, that position isn't in the NFL anymore. That's what the Steelers tried to get in Mike Mitchell. And it's just that, that time is gone. So, um, some, some truth, a lot of truth to the things that James Harrison said there, but you still have to wonder why why he wouldn't just say what the envelope what was in the envelope uh and uh, and provide that context up front um before it got to this point so with that uh we're gonna get to our first break here when we come back the nfl is talking about a proposed rule i'm gonna first give my take on uh, just a full report on what the rule is and what they're talking about and then give you more on on what i think about it after right after this Hey guys, you ever have that problem where you're just trying to get through your day and you need a snack to get you through, but you don't want to go to the vending machine and get you something that's unhealthy? I've got a great option for you, and that's Built Bar. Built Bar are these protein and energy bars that are covered in 100% chocolate, but they're also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great-tasting with a 16 different flavors to work your way through and i know because i've worked my way through quite a few of them already there are new sponsors here at the pod at the locked on podcast network but they've got flavors like double chocolate mousse banana nut bread mint brownie delight raspberry chocolate cream and so many more they're they're great and tasty they're soft and chewy and they're great for you they can also fill you up make sure that you're satisfied to help you get throughout your day without consuming a whole bunch of calories for example my favorite flavor so far double chocolate mousse is only 110 calories packs 15 grams of protein 7 grams of fiber and only 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of flat fat and great to the great thing about all of them they're gluten-free so try out Built Bars. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for that $10 off at BuiltBar.com. You'll get a great tasting snack and you'll feel great after eating them. All right, we are back. And uh, let's get to talk about some national news here because... To me, this has a lot of implications that kind that could impact the Steelers. Um, but to, to get to what I'm what I'm fully talking about here, if you haven't heard, uh, there has been a new proposition within the NFL um, about expanding how the Rooney Rule has would work with the NFL, and uh, it's bringing in a new a new resolution which the NFLs will vote on this week in in owners meetings. Um, that, uh, that would, if this was passed, it, a team that hires a person of color as a head coach or a general manager would, would be, would have their team's draft position improved, uh, uh, you know, by, it, by getting, moving up eight or 10 spots. Um, now this was, this is interesting because I believe this first came from Jim Trotter, NFL.com reporter. Um, and, uh, his article basically goes into, uh, explaining what, what exactly the details are here. And it says that, uh, if, if the team were to hire a, a minority head coach or a person of color, 
um, or I guess a woman if we were going to go going going to go you know in that direction as well. But 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 a minority, a person that is that we don't see in the NFL, um, they would if they did it in the draft pre- preceding the coach's second season. Um, the, oh, in the draft, preceding the coach's second season, so after their their first year with the team, that team would move up six spots from where it was slotted to pick in the third round, and a team would jump ten spots in this under the same scenario for hiring a person of color as its primary football executive, aka a uh, general manager. Um, and uh, if it were if it were a situation where teams were gonna fill both positions at the same time, the club could jump 16 spots total uh, combining the two. And that there would be another incentive is that a team's fourth round pick could climb five spots in the draft preceding a coach or GM's third year if he is still with the team after that. Um, this was uh, this was added because there's been uh, a lot of coaches or, uh, you know, there's been, there's been coaches who were hired as, as black coaches uh, but were soon fired after like Steve Wilkes and Vance Joseph. Um, and, uh, and then it would be, and then another situation is if a minority assistant left and to become a coordinator elsewhere, the former ball club would receive a fifth round compensatory pick. And if a person of color leaves to, uh, become a head coach or general manager, his, his, per, his previous team would also receive a third round compensatory pick. And, uh, one, and, and then one last thing was that any team that hires a person of color as its quarterback coach would receive a compensatory pick at the end of the fourth round if it retains that employee beyond one season. So try trying to, I guess, prevent teams from just hiring and then firing someone just to get this pick. Um, the provision is an attempt to get more of a diverse pool of coaches working with quarterbacks since the trend of late is to hire head coaches with offensive experience, which is very true. 24 of the last 33 hires have been, have been hired from the offensive side of the ball, and it's considered even more beneficial to have worked with quarterbacks. Uh, looking at you, Sean McVay and Clay. Uh, of Kingsbury. Um, currently, there are only two African American quarterback coaches in Pep Hamilton of the Chargers and Marcus Brady of the Colts. Now, um, furthering this up, of course, this sparked whoo firestorm. Immediately, everyone's like, "You can't bring race into football," uh, and it was uh, it, it was wild. Um, I you know I saw some interesting responses across the board. Um, there were uh, you know a lot of people were saying you know, initially like, whoa, this is, uh, this is taking it too far. Um, this is, uh, this, this is giving teams incentives to hire minority coaches, which would, you know, bring in a question, are you hiring the best guy? Um, and it would, uh, you know, it also had to consider whether or not, uh, this, this would bring unfair competitive advantages. And also what would it do to teams that have regularly done things like this, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who uh, right now have a head coach in Mike Tomlin, who they've had for you know going on what 14 years now, um, and then you have, and then they have you know there's rumors that it said that there's uh, that Kevin Colbert's right hand man is an as a black man who's going to be taking over the GM position uh, when he's gone. Uh, so there's a lot to consider there, and. Uh, you know, would would how you know how would it impact if a team's always had these minority hires, um, and then you have to look at you know the situation. But uh, it, it is a very real question as to how the NFL should handle this. Um, the resounding answer to all of this seems to be uh, a big no from a lot of people, and and, I, and understandably so. And I, I agree that this is not the move. This is not how you address this situation. 
Um, I think that giving draft incentives to teams comes off as a bit uh, short-sighted because I can see this turning into chaotic really quick. Um, I can also see this uh, being, being not I wouldn't say disadvantageous, but I, I see this as kind of like a like a quick fix, like a band-aid. Like, oh, let's slap this on it. Bam, we're gonna fix the problem of racism in, in the in the uh, in the NFL, and it's just not gonna do that. The problems with this start at a much deeper level when it comes to just the biases and hiring practices as a whole, and the people that you have making some of those decisions. Um, and uh, and part of this is because the Rooney Rule hasn't doesn't work anymore. Um, it initially, when it came out, you know, the NFL boosted itself to, um, uh, to having, to having, a, uh, you know, I think the most black and, uh, minority coaches in, in, you know, in its history. I think at one point it got up to eight or nine. Um, and now there are only two black general managers and only four, uh, uh, head coaches of color, which according to Jim Trotter is a 17 year low in the history of the league. And that's kind of crazy to think about. Um, but all in all, you still look at this as just like better, more draft picks or better draft picks, you know, then do teams get in competitions to hire, uh, minority coaches and just how that could play out. That sounds dangerous. That sounds like, like, a, like an avenue that would just be, uh, you know, start some, some races for things and that, you know, that, that would ask questions that we don't know how that would play out. And, and not just that we don't know how that would play out, but that seems like that meritocracy of, oh, we just hired him just so we can get this draft pick seems a bit short-sighted just because you're saying, like, you know, they're not hiring them because they've learned their lesson. They're hiring them simply because we can get value because of this. So you're not really fixing racism here. You're more so saying, hey, we'll pay you to, you know, at least check this box for us. Um and, and not just pay you, but give you a competitive advantage. I do think that there should be some sort of action where maybe money is involved. Maybe there's some sort of benefit involved. But a benefit that goes to on the field uh, or in the draft room, I think that that isn't the direction that they need that the, that the league needs to go right now because that can lead to a lot of um, other questions that we're going to fall into here now. What should the league do, and why do I think you know what are what what are my exact takes on where this is going and what this actually could be if we look at this from a real situation? I'll get into that right after this. All right, we're back here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. So I, I wanted to give more so of my perspective on what this rule attempt is is trying to do, where it fails, and but where it do, where something like this does need to go because, in my opinion. This is an issue that needs to be addressed. Four head coaches, two GMs, that's not enough. Uh, in a league where over 70% of its players are black, the guys that are leading those teams are not. Um, and uh, minorities in general, I think, should be given more opportunity in the NFL across the board. However, not at the expense of forcing teams to do it for draft incentive because then if they do then it becomes a competition to to do those things instead of a competition to do the best um but there's a lot of layers to this because um you know there's 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 several different counter arguments to why you'd even want to address this uh but i'm gonna layer out what i'm talking about here and why i stand where i stand 
One, the draft picks, like I said, too much. But it is obvious that there is a problem with hiring minority coaches in the NFL. Uh, again, you look at the situation. The Rooney Rule itself was introduced uh, decade uh, over a decade ago in order to to give teams incentives to say, hey, just get this guy in the door. Just give him an opportunity to be heard. Not, not to necessarily, you have to hire him, but giving them interview opportunities, one, allows them to, to uh, understand the interview process and to say, okay, this is how I present myself. Because honestly, that's a huge part of getting your of getting your first shot to be a head coach, as it is with most professions. I mean, if you've ever done a job where there's a, you know, you've worked a job and you know there's a higher position available in that field, but you've never had the opportunity, you don't know how to go about interviewing for that, that, that position, or you don't know what what's being asked for or what that interview, what, what the questions will be asked of you when you walk into that meeting room. That's the same thing that's going that, that happens with the with the head coaching position because coaches can say I have a great report players, I could do this, but what they, they you can never know what happens until you get in the interviewing room and you sit down. So the Rooney rule helped with that. It helped to get more coaches opportunities. Um and, and you saw that. I think at one point the most we got were nine minority head coaches hired at one point in time. Um, and, and it was showing like, hey, we're seeing change. More guys are getting opportunities and not just the head coaches, because but because when you saw those guys come in, you saw more uh, people of color on the sidelines, more assistants, more uh, coordinators. And that was helping diversify the NFL. Um, but you have to. But then, of course, over time, that started to get circumvented. Uh, and you saw coaches like we said with Jim Trotter's article. Uh, coaches like uh, Vance Wilkes or Vance Joseph and Steve Wilkes, who were just shoved out the door immediately uh, and never given a chance to really stick around and you know figure things out, um, and not given the same opportunities to just be hired right back into a head coaching position, like say Adam Gase, uh, who was fired after horrible years with the Miami Dolphins and then was immediately rehired by a division rival, the New York Jets who saw how bad he was and still decided to hire him anyways. Um, so there's a lot of reasonable questions here that I think are, they're, 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 they're good things to say like, Hey, well, what, what's, what's the big, what, you know, if you're, if you're wondering what's the big issue here, like who are the big, big guys that aren't, that are being missed? Um, and, and it's not always, you can't, you can't always say that, but the point is, is that there's often this pool of coaches that gets picked on. And this year we had five new, new head coaches and none of them were, uh, were minority hires. Um, but, and, and you had two guys, especially that were right in the mix. And that was, uh, Eric B of the chiefs and Robert Sella of the, uh, of the Niners. B of course, offensive coordinator to the chiefs and, and, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Huge reason of why their offense has been the most dynamic in the NFL the past two seasons, and why they won their first Super Bowl since the '60s. Um, and uh, Robert Sala, who, who developed a defense that uh, was one of the best in the league, and uh, got them to a Super Bowl appearance, and was truly devastating. Um, and neither of them got hired. Uh, and and it's 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 it is kind of odd that you look at that now. Some of these things are sometimes it is you know about teams can block coordinators from being talked to, and there are rules about that. And there's rules they're talking about rules bringing those down. Um, but Bienemy could have been hired, and uh, you look like you look at coaches like Matt Nagy, uh, Sean McVay, Cliff 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 Kingsbury, all these guys that were quickly hired after a little bit of success with somebody. Um, and there are there are breaks 
in uh, in the trajectory that we're that we're showing. Like, hey, this is what a coach has to go through to become a head coach. Um, and then we're showing that well, that that only applies to certain people because then you got people like Joe Judge, who was a special teams coordinator for the Patriots and is now a uh, the, the head coach of the uh, the Giants. And um, it's you know you look at that and you're like, man, a special teams coordinator? Like, did he did he did he work with the defense? Did he work with the offense? What what system is he implementing here? Um, you know, a lot a lot of questions that go into that, um, but again again like i said this is a layered conversation because there are legitimate points on both sides one you have a you have a person that that says like hey you know this if we just tell teams to meet this to meet this this protocol what they're going to do is they're going to circumvent the system like they've done with the Rooney rule you know Jerry Jones uh this was a report that came out of Dallas but Jerry Jones um said that uh um, oh, you know, you know, he, it was, it was said that Jerry Jones was always going to hire Mike McCarthy at head coach, the guy who's now the, the Cowboys head coach. Uh, but that Marvin Lewis was brought in just as a formality to cover the Rooney rule. And if that's the case, isn't that a problem? Isn't that kind of just w- wasting these coordinators time, this coach's time, um, just so that you can say, I checked a box. Um, and you could be having the same sort of problem with these types of hires. Oh, we hired a general manager, uh, for two years so we could get this kind of incentive. Uh, but you know, does that really, does that really help us? Um, you know, and, and, you know, is it really helping that person? You know, is that person being given a real voice in the organization or are they there as a figurehead just so that this team can, can work this thing out? And the same thing goes for the head coach, you know, are, are you hiring there now? I do think that because there's a counter, there's always the counter argument. They're like, well, what happened to hiring people just based off of merit, just based off of who's the best candidate? Well, but the problem is that you're not hiring who's the best candidates. I mean, you got a lot of these guys that you're hiring. You know, I bring up Adam Gase again. I mean, when Jeff Fisher kept being hired, but regardless of how many times he went eight and eight, um, you know, initially Jeff Fisher had a lot of impact, but it just it kind of it kind of just kept you know wearing out. And there, there's all sorts of bad hires all the time right now. Um, but, and, but the point is that a lot of those bad hires, there's, uh, you know, they're, they're on one side, you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't bad black coaches. I'm saying that a lot of those coaches that are given second opportunities really quickly, those, those are the white coaches. Uh, you know, Todd Bowles, he's not a head coach right now. Uh, and again, Vance Joseph, Joseph, Steve Wilkes. And when you look back to the case of, uh, of, of Gase, um, and you look at coaches that had, quick success as a quarterback's coach or an offensive guru they got they get promoted very quickly uh like Kingsbury and like uh, McVeigh so why wasn't the enemy given the same treatment um and uh, I think those are realistic conversations to be had now again I don't think that draft picks are the answer if you do the draft pick move you're asking for teams to try and you know loophole this just so they can get higher draft picks and then you know we get into a to a whole different ball game but what needs to happen is say hey you know what let's sit these guys down let's figure out what exactly is happening here in the hiring process that doesn't get this person in the room when this person had so much more success than this other coach over here what did you what you know what clicked for you was it something they said was it something you heard and, and you know maybe understanding like all right you know we have to have a better sense of you know who are making these decisions why they're making these decisions and why they favor one way or the other um and i, and I think that we that if that happens and you know maybe the nfl instead of 
rewarding them with some competitive advantage. They reward them with some sort of PR advantage. Like say, hey, you know what? If you uh, if you do such hire, if you are, or if, if 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 your front office includes X amount of minority employees, uh, you know, or, or representatives, then you know, then you get recognized as this sort of organization. And maybe they give you more charity money to give out. Maybe you get recognized somehow. But it takes the competitive advantage of it away. And it's, it's instead it's, you know, you're doing this because you know it's the right thing to do rather than doing this just so you can win more football games. Um, which at the end of the day, you should be making these hires. You should be making all your coaching hires so that you can win more football games. But the point is that, Teams are making bad hires and not winning more football games, while you know, you know, while not while still letting this problem happen of the institutional racism of not hiring minority coaches. So, you know, I say all that to say there is there is definitely an issue here. There's definitely a way to address this, but the problem is that this isn't it. I think that. The idea of adding draft value is a band-aid. It's a matter of slapping something on and saying, hey, we did this. We fought, you know, we fought racism. Um, but you're not in doing so, you're not changing any of the, the opinions of people that still think that, you know, oh, this guy, we should hire this guy over that guy, despite this person's resume being a thousand times better than that guy's resume. Um you know, I think that that's not the issue isn't trying to force them just because you're going to get that, even though I understand it, because the Rooney rule didn't force anybody to hire coaches. Um, and initially it was working. But we saw that over time when they re when teams realized that they could just kind of just have a figurehead inter interview type of move um, that there was the, there was nothing forced upon them. And so now what people like uh, ESPN's Bobani Jones points out, and I think this is a very good point of his, is that it's this the minority hires aren't going to happen if it's not forced upon some teams because that's just how they operate their biases are there and they're going to they're going to have these uh have these issues they're they're not going to want to hire people unless they're forced to uh and see that's where the NFL I think that their conversation needs to be had is like hey why are you doing this what made you operate in this manner and favor this guy over that guy because you know, we we come out with you know we look we look at this and you could objectively say this this person has been more successful and has fit the criteria that you and other teams have been looking for, and yet it's still overlooked. Um, but you know, anytime that you start making sweeping moves like you know just awarding draft picks just because you hired somebody, I think that could be, that that enters the realm of danger and people manipulating the system just to manipulate it and not to. Uh, not to actually help people. And the Steelers are a prime example of how you do it the right way. Uh, they were the first team ever to hire an assistant black coach. They're the first team uh, to uh, name a black starting quarterback at the start of a season. Um, Tony Dungy, who became the first black, uh, black head coach to win a Super Bowl, got his start coaching with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and uh, and the second man who won the second black man to win it to win a, a Super Bowl as a head coach was Mike Tomlin and he was the Steelers coach um, and the guy that's set up to supposedly replace Kevin Colbert right now is, is an African American so like you know the Steelers are, are an example of how how to get there but it it takes wanting to do that from people and forcing that upon somebody is uh, it's a it's a it's not as easy as a conversation as uh, just making this proposed rule for, for the, and for the record, I don't think this rule is going to pass, but I do think it could spark a, a, a question, a, you know, a question or a conversation that needs to be had more. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to this later at some point. Uh, probably you know because we got a long we still got a long ways to go to training camp. Uh, but uh, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. Do you think that uh, you know and, and not whether or not that you think this rule is good or not because I think we can all agree it's not. But what do you think would be a reasonable proposal to help with this situation? Because it's obvious that there is a problem, but there needs to be a smarter way of going about this. And it's not a quick fix. You know, one of my favorite things that Martin Luther King always said is that he, he said to, the problem is that too many people want quick fixes and not real solutions. Um, and I'm paraphrasing there, of course, but uh, but he talked about how, you know, we, you know, we can't, not everything is instant gratification. Like, oh, we sat down for five minutes and we figured this out and yay, we solved our problem. Racism is a bigger problem than that. Just like most problems in the country and around everything are a bigger problem than that. And it takes time to think about it. But stirring up ideas, brainstorming, sharing thoughts, that's all That's all part of it. You want to share your thoughts? Hit me up on Twitter at Carter Critiques. You can follow me. I will follow you back. If you don't want to share your, your thoughts publicly, share them privately. DM me. I'm always down to chat with you guys. Uh, I chat with a lot of people, and, and uh, a lot of people can probably attest. They message. I get a lot of messages all the time, and if I don't respond right away, it's just because I'm working. I work for like three or four different jobs right now, so um, sometimes I just can't get to my Twitter account and, and properly say what I want to say, but I will get to you eventually. And you can also share it with myself. Uh, and other guests we have on the show here, as well as other people, uh, other people in our audience, by going to the Locked On Steelers Facebook group. Uh, you just search on on Facebook, Locked On Steelers, ask to join the group, and uh, when you do, I'll add you as soon as I can. Uh, we have over 600 members there. You can share your thoughts there, and it can be talked about. Um, one thing I will say, because I understand that race can be a touchy topic, let's keep it civil in the group, because I've seen sometimes when it gets a little edgy. Um, be respectful of, of, of other people, um, and, uh, and and I think that can uh, lead to more positive uh, dialogue on the situation so we can get somewhere with this. Again, I think this is a very important discussion to, be, to have, um, and that's why I wanted to put two segments on it today. Uh, again, thanks to all those who make the Locked On Steelers community. You, you all are a special group. I really appreciate uh, being able to uh, podcast to you guys and, and talk with you all. Um, again, join the Facebook group, Locked On Steelers. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the show already, we do this Monday through Friday. Uh, we have lots of different guests coming in. I'm hoping to have Tony Serino for a Tony Tuesday tomorrow. Uh, it's not locked in yet. We're trying to work out some scheduling stuff, but I'm hoping he'll be here. Um, and uh, we'll be talking more Steelers then again. Uh, Locked on Steelers podcast. Please leave us a five star review uh, with a positive comment. Doing so really helps out the show. And if you do and it's safe for work, I will read your review and give you a shout out on the show. Thanks to all those who have already done that. You've been getting your shout outs. I always make sure I pay up on on uh, what what I say there. Uh, but thanks for listening to the Locked on Steelers podcast. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to be covering more of the top news around the NFL.